Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Welcome, beautiful people. We have a very wonderful guest today, a portrait and wedding photographer, very world renowned in um, the Baltimore, D.C. and uh, Virginia area, Shaka Watson. Um, Shaka is a Baltimore resident specializing in uh, portrait photography and weddings, born and raised in Trinidad. Um, And you're passion for photography started at a young age. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, Growing up, I was just the the, the family photographer, forcefully. (laughs) My dad, um, he, my dad bought a a film camera, a Canon AE-1. Um, At that time, that was like the, like the camera. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just like, every time we have like some kind of family function or something like that, he's like, hey, Shaka, take this. You take the pictures. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, but you know, I was I always had the job of taking the the photos, mm-hmm. you know, at the so a lot of my family photos I'm actually responsible for, you know, growing up. And so the the photos I look back at now is like I took most of them. I can I can relate to that. Um one of my earliest, I'm a photographer myself, and one of my earliest gifts that I remember. Um, my mother gave me was one of those little plastic Pixar cameras, like the film joints. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. when I was going through her things, I found this old Olympus, like a uh, photographer, like professional photographer style camera. And, um, you know, I just played around with it. I don't know how to develop film or anything. But back in the day, we used to take the right. like C- CVS and all that to, you know, get our mm-hmm. stuff developed. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it started at a young age for me as well. Um, tell me about um, growing up in Trinidad and and then your transition here. How did that work out? Wow, man. Uh, funny story. I remember the first coming to the States. I mean, that alone was like, you know, like a wow factor, like not knowing what to expect. But I remember I remember the first thing I was like, man, I get to witness snow. I used to always see snow on TV. <laughs> and... <laughs> When they got here, it was the blizzard of '96. I was oh, like, right. I remember that one. Yeah, remember. <laughs> right. I was like, Nah, I'm good. I got enough food. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, man, we was going to school with like snow, like, like tunnel. We had to walk through tunnels of snow. Just to, mm-hmm. it was crazy. But um, yeah, that was the first like funny thing I, I encountered coming here. But then it was like a culture adjusting culturally coming from Trinidad like you know it's a lot of different customs and mm-hmm. you know um I remember uh <laughs> I like walking in being like the only kid in class like hey you know like good morning or yeah. like good evening yeah you know it's like and people looking at me weird like I remember when I was going to the store my grandmother I was like hey good night and ladies just like look at me like <laughs> going to bed outside <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's um you know it just it was a it was a lot of adjusting mm. you know, a lot of adjusting on the fly to being i was just turning 11 and going right into middle school it was like you know everybody think they're an adult at that age so it's like you know yeah. trying to fit in some kind of way trying to find my ground trying to find my niche you know um so. i feel that I, I think um a lot of like you know black and brown people who come from outside the united states have more of a um family oriented um relationship not only with family but with peers and you know um especially like older people right mm-hmm. um but I was fortunate enough to have the neighbor neighborhood mom where all the kids would come over to my crib. You know, she would feed everybody and everybody called her mom. So I kind of relate to, um, you know, that in a sense. But um, a lot of people don't have that privilege out here. You know what I mean? No, man. No. I think, I mean, because, you know, lifestyle now is so, everything now is so fast-paced now. Like, mm everything is fast paced man so like that settlement that that background zero is like fading yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) and baltimore is a a different place like i love baltimore there's a lot of culture and and history there and and beautiful people but at the same time i know it was kind of like rough coming from trinidad and going straight to baltimore it was It, it, it was um See, every every neighborhood, country, so what has their own uh, ups and downs and trials and tribulations and so on and so forth. But it's like yeah. some you can live with, some you you can't. You know, it's like so. It's uh, I remember uh, so Trinidad is like a lot of. It's, it's the same, I guess, senseless violence, you want to say, but yeah. it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like, you have a lot of, you know, police violence and uh, corrupt police activity and so on and so forth, but everybody's close knit. And the, I think, I think the difference, just thinking about it, I think the difference is older people or parents kept you away. Mm. from the interaction or intermingling with that stuff. You would hear about it, but you won't be in the middle of it, opposed to here. Yeah. Yeah, growing up, like, um, my dad, my dad was in the street, you know, so he was like, we couldn't be, me and my brothers couldn't be around my dad while him and his, you know, colleagues were discussing X, Y, Z. You know, and I see a lot of that now. Like, kids are just right in the middle of everything. Everything is intermingled, in and then you wonder why. Like, you know, yeah, like, where's he getting his behavior from? Or you know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I could definitely agree. Uh, growing up in you know PG County in DC, um, kids had to be outside of the room. You know what I mean? Like, my folks wasn't up to like nefarious things but you know when they had like gatherings or get-togethers where they would come through drink you know smoke or whatever mm-hmm. like we had mm-hmm. to be in a whole different room you know what i mean right yeah. right 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 true man um but um photography like 
I know it started at a young age, but when did it become like a professional career for you? Like what 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 steps did you take in order to get to where you are now? So so coming when I left Trinidad, um, I kind of pushed myself into art. I was always sketching, mm-hmm. always sketching. So um, I fell in love with art. Um, and I actually, uh, I wanted to go to Baltimore School of Arts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you had this, there's requirements, <laughs> which I didn't meet those requirements. So I was kind of like let down, like, ah. So I ended up going to Northern which was like a zone school, mm. my zone school. So I was like, ah, I still was in the art. Didn't really know what my direction was, where I wanted to go. Um, then I, I just, I felt, I just like, just put everything on the back burner. I just try to like figure myself out. Like, okay, what do I want to do professionally in mm. life period? You know, um, uh, I think it wasn't until my adult, like early 20s, it was early 20s, I was like, man, I need to really get back into, it wasn't necessarily photography. It was like, get back into the artist aspect of myself, mm-hmm. whatever that is, whether it's get back to sketching or. You needed that creative outlet. Yeah, like yeah. that was my that was my safe space, you know. Mm-hmm. My creative that was that was my safe space. And then um I remember uh we would uh, me and my wife, when I met my wife, we were like go to places and um we had our first apartment and we went to like IKEA and we was like, Hey, we need that. That's a look that's gonna look good in our living room. She was like, Well, why would we buy that? You take great photos. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just take a photo mm-hmm. and we can just I was like and it's like to have somebody like that is like have that confidence in me at that time i consider that like great confidence you know right i was like true and that's what we did and um and then the other guests started coming like who took that photo where'd you guys get that photo from i was like oh shock and like, mm-hmm. oh. still i wasn't you know really like forcing myself into photography it wasn't until um uh Maybe like 13, 14 years ago, my wife bought me a camera. Mm. And she's like, you need to do this. She's like, you need to do this. She said, if I buy you a camera and you don't, you know, pursue it, per se. I mean, she's like, well, at least I did my part. I was like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, wow. So yeah, started there, man. And then uh, I think I was maybe... It's been like 14 years ago. Mm. It's wonderful to ha- have someone see something in you that you don't really like see yourself at first. And right. once they give you that push, it's like it just takes you to a whole different like mental state. You know what I mean? Like you because right. my lady is the same way. Um, I don't like I appreciate the work that I do, but I don't I see myself up here, but I feel like I'm up here. You know what I mean? Well, no, I see myself down here, but she sees me like I'm, I'm uh, like I'm up here. You know what I mean? Like exactly. than where I'm at, and just her motivating me and giving me that push helps me to you know um, persevere and become better. 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's always good to have somebody by your side giving you that extra. Yeah. Nigga, you tripping? Go do that. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right. And I was just I was having a conversation with somebody the other day, man. You know, as creators, we are our own kryptonite. Mm. That's the, you know, we're always gonna be like, you know, a lot of people may see us here, but we're always like, nah. Mm-hmm. Always, we won't think we're gonna we could do something better. Right, right, right. I can right. do something better. And that's me every day where I'm like, ah, I I need to I don't know what the limit is, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, but I'm I'm going there wherever that is. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna try to kill it more. Mm. You know? yeah. So, is Canon or are you a Canon Canon or a Nikon shooter? Canon. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I tried Nikon. It was like, I mean, I. I love Canon. I started off with a Canon, but mm-hmm. after I did my like two or three years, I got tired of that heavy camera on my neck all the time. So mm-hmm. I, you know, just switched over to Sony and um, it's doing pretty good. The, the color waves aren't as crisp as Canon, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's very portable and whatnot. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I do, I do love the size of um, Sony cameras. I would say that. Even with the grip, they're still... They're still... Mm pretty compact so outside of wedding photography i notice a lot of um of your portraits like highlights you know mainly black beauty you know what i mean like we very rarely seen especially in the early 2000s of people highlighting us in every aspect you know what i mean not just one perspective but every aspect was there any like thought process behind that um, I think I think myself personally, I gravitate towards black people just naturally. Like mm. I always feel like we need to be, you know, just highlighted more, you know, in all different aspects and lights and you know, whether it's I mean, it's whether it's business, small business, cooking, parenting, you know, there's so many I think there's so many voids mm. when it comes to, you know, people, black and brown people that I just, I don't know if I'm doing my part mm. <laughs> to, you know, highlight everyone in a, in a, in a, in a more positive light. I think it's, <clears throat> my bad, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. And I actually got criticized before too. No, nah, it's, it's important, yeah. you know what I mean? Because we very rarely get to control our own narrative. You know what I mean? People outside of, I don't want to say our race, but people outside of our, our culture might see mm-hmm. us a certain way because the media just highlights a certain aspect or a certain like small thing about us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Instead of showing like the vastness of us as a whole. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely, man. Yeah, I've actually been told that uh, somebody, somebody said uh, another photographer that was like, yeah, he only, he only shoots black clients. Mm. I mean, I don't take it as an insult, but it's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's funny because it's a a lot of like white photographers out there that only shoot like white clients. You know what I mean? And nobody says anything about it. Exactly. And forever, for for years, for years. And I I would say, and I, I would think 
if I could be out of term by saying this, but in the last 10 years, when we seen, we first started seeing an influx of black photographers mm. really showcasing like art, you know, really. Because mm. white photographers has really been in the commercial aspect and the commercial aspect, wedding aspect. Mm. And the, the forefront really in photography has been a lot of white photographers. Yeah. But it wasn't until maybe uh maybe 10, 20 years ago when there's been a demand for, you know, black people to be on the forefront. If you want to see black people, you know. Absolutely. Um yeah. I think a lot that helped with that too is, you know, um YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, it's a lot of, like, professional Black photographers on YouTube, like, giving mm-hmm. lessons and, and camera re- reviews and, you know, basically showing their growth. And mm-hmm. just like I said before, controlling the narrative. If you see someone who looks like you, who you can relate to, um, mm-hmm. do something that you never thought that you can do, it's kind of, like, easier to open the door to, like, a whole bunch of people who, you know, might want to pursue the same career. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. We need is we need more examples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need more examples, man. In every aspect, really. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I was a school photographer. Um, for this company that I will not name. Um, but mm-hmm. we did mostly like Baltimore County. Uh, I did a few Baltimore, like inner city Baltimore schools, and um. I think I was the only black guy in the area working for this company. You know what I mean? And some of these schools in like Baltimore County, it's very rare to see a black man <laughs> in these areas. Right. You know what I mean? So um, just like on a side note, I could see like the different discrepancies on like funding for these schools. Like when I'm in the inner city, they're in like older buildings. You know what I mean? That's, I guess been there for since like the fifties or sixties. But when I go to the counties or these richer counties, um, a lot of these schools are brand new, like tall mm-hmm. glass windows, you know what I mean? Like yeah. libraries big as ever, like big as apartments, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. being in the city, have you noticed any differences between, um, just like differences between um, opportunities for children or you know just people in general because of that i guess red line um see i was i'm i'm so optimistic mm. that i feel that there are there are there are always there are always opportunities mm. there are always opportunities but based on But it's based on the resources provided, right? Not, not necessarily, you know, uh, government or federal provider or even city provided. Mm. It's you know, like you said, you know, YouTube, for instance. You know, it's it's examples. Um, I think if if. I mean, slowly in the city, we're getting a, a few. You have a lot of entrepreneurs now that's uh, providing some some type of leadership 
Mm-hmm. And uh, some examples, you know, guiding people in the direction. And of course, you know, the city has its problems, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like there there is some uh, some opportunity and some hope out there in the city. It's slow. It's gonna take us. We're taking some time, but you know. Yeah, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I always whenever i go to baltimore you know i notice like the hustle mentality whether it's the squeegee boys outside you know trying to get a couple dollars or you know somebody just outside selling stuff or the bookstore everyone's place you know like a a hub Mm -hmm. of like black knowledge and black pride and, and black respect you know um like i said is It's a very beautiful place. Um, there are maybe, I guess, some lack of opportunities, but you can't make diamonds without pressure. If that's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, you can't make diamonds mm-hmm. without pressure. You know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. where all great black things come from. Hip hop, uh, soul music, jazz, you know, they come from these um, mis- fr- misenfranchised places. You know what I mean? Like right. some of the greatest ideas came from, quote unquote, the hood. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, the the, the struggle is definitely uh, on on the hood, as we call it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The hood is definitely a um a source of of greatness. Mm. You know, and and people outside of our race know it. Mm-hmm. They know it. You know. You know what can come from our communities, even under the circumstances. And it's a, it's like it's it's basically like diamonds in the rough, really. Yeah. You no. Know, yeah. Yeah. Because nobody does. Nobody. Nobody goes to a diamond mine or a, a diamond field and say, "Hey, let's put up some benches or a, a water fountain." Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or let's put up a tent so people that mining diamonds can stay cool or you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just, they just they just dig and they dig and they dig and they get what they want out of it and then that's it yeah yeah damn that you just gave me like an idea like the hood are are, are diamond mines for real for real you know what i mean <laughs> like, right yeah. <laughs> they just take the resources and and jet get the hell out of it that's it <laughs> that's it that's damn. it that was a good one, yo. Um, so what got you into um, wedding photography? Um, do you do it by yourself? Do you have a company or do you work with like a, a, a group of guys or girls? Like, how does that how does that work? I got into wedding photography, man, honestly, because mm. of uh, my wedding. <laughs> mm. I had a, uh, a friend of ours. And, you know, you don't know what's important until... You, you come upon it really. Yeah. She was like, well, you know, hey, I'll take you guys, I'll take your photos for your wedding as a gift. And mm. we're not thinking at the time, like, oh man, you know, these are memories. Like, yeah. 20 years from now, when we look back, that's the only thing we had to. And nah, they were, they were terrible. Yeah, yeah they were terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you were terrible, man. Yeah. So, um, and one of my 
wife's co-workers, uh, she was like, hey, you take photos. She said, why don't you uh, shoot my daughter's wedding? And I'm like, uh, I ain't never doing a wedding before. But hey, mm. I'll do my shot. And it was crazy, man. Like, my first wedding, she wanted, like, the bridal party, like, running from some dinosaurs in the back. It was wild. <laughs> what? Like, it was like... <laughs> And me at the time, like, you know, not even being honest with myself or the client, like, I was like, yeah, I got you. Straight to YouTube, like, how do you? <laughs> and, <laughs> Photoshop some di- dinosaurs. <laughs> man, when you get a chance, man, I'm going to send you that. But I need like, to see it. I need to see oh it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, yeah, it's that was the first wedding, man. It was crazy. So I do work with a team. Mm. Um, uh, that first wedding I shot by myself. Pro tip: never shoot a wedding by yourself. How stressful uh, was it? Ah, oh, super stressful. Man. Mm. Being the first wedding, I was alone. My wife was with me. Mm. My wife was with me, but just pretty much to like navigate the day. Yeah, and it was like it was super stressful. Man. Super duper stressful. Like not not knowing what shots to get. Because the whole time I'm thinking, like, am I overshooting? Am I undershooting? Mm. Do I not? What do I? What am I going to provide? I, I didn't know. You know what I mean? I'm shooting on the fly, really. Yeah. You know, and that's all I'm thinking about, man. But yeah, pro tip: never shoot away by yourself. <laughs> I don't care if it's even if it's another shooter. Get somebody to shoot. Just be there with you, really. Mm. Mm. You never know, man. Sometimes you can't run across the room and do this or grab this or at least somebody is somebody else is there to help you um but yeah i always try to construct a team whether it's two of us or four of us um always does that depend on the, does that de- depend on the size of the wedding um the amount of team members you have yeah mm-hmm. um it's on um it's logistically i like to get um Especially like if they're getting dressed here and then they have to drive two miles to the venue and then from mm-hmm. the venue to the reception. This is like once all that, too many, all those moving parts start to happen. I'm like, yeah, we're going to need, because anything could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, photography, we could be going from the hotel to the ceremony and catch a flat. Yeah. You know, at least your second photographer is there. Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. you don't have, everybody there to to cover as as promised but at the end of the day you still have somebody to cover yeah you know yeah that's smart yeah yeah (laughs) so how what what was the process like how long did it become how long did it take until it became second nature to you Cause you've been doing it for a couple years now, right? Like a really long time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I think when I, I still don't think it's second nature. Mm. I still don't think it's second nature. Cause I always look at every single one as like clean slate. Mm. You know, the only thing that I would say that I'm comfortable with is like, if I shoot at that same venue again, mm. I know what to expect, you know, as far as lighting and, so on and so forth. But I always I always look at a clean slate. 
I never, I, I, I never allow myself to get like that, you know, that that Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm like, nah, I'm, because anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you have planners that don't tell you that, hey, uh, an elephant's going to come out the ceiling when they say, kiss your bride. It's like, you didn't tell me this. Like, what happened? <laughs> I didn't account for this. Like I'm gonna need a wide angle lens for that one. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm 80, I'm a guy 85 and I'm close to the bride. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's I don't know. I just I'm pretty comfortable now. I'm, I would say that. I'm more comfortable than I was. Mm. I'm more comfortable than I was uh six, seven years ago. Yeah. And yeah. um, but I'm I'm definitely more comfortable. But I still look at it like, nah, it's clean slate. Cause anything can happen. How um, how do clients reach out to you? Is it from word of mouth, uh, your website? Like, how do you know? How do you find clients, or how do they find you? Word of mouth. Mm. A lot of times it's word of mouth. Cause I I'm, I try to be really relatable to my clients. Mm-hmm. You know, and that 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 alone has um. I think I've I've gained clients by not even more not not just the work but just oh man he's a really nice guy, mm. you know because I talk to my clients like my brides and my groomsmen and stuff about anything like man like, hey, what's going on bro like you, everything cool I have groomsmen and old bridesmaid old brides call me. Like a month before the wedding, like I just need to talk. <laughs> mm, mm. You know, just I'm like, because you know, weddings are stressful. So. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, I'll have me. You know, just, what, what is it? Because a lot of times they don't have, at that time, they don't have anybody to talk to because everybody they know is possibly in their wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Needs somebody neutral outside. <laughs> you know? Somebody neutral. Yeah. And I just, you know, I chop it up with people, man. I'm, I'm open book, you know. Mm. Sure, man. I, you know, talk to me, whatever it is. I'll give you solutions, answers if I have it. Yeah. So on an average wedding day, what's in your camera bag? Like, how important is gear and, and what are you taking? Um, Two bodies. I have two bodies. My 85-35. Mm. That's that's standard, and then I have a uh, hundred millimeter macro lens, okay. and a uh, seventy to two hundred. If I have, you know, that's just like with that, that covers the whole. I think I'm prepared for any situation. Um, what else do I have in there? Water. Of course, gotta have water. <laughs> water, water, snacks. Um, I always had like some kind of like trail mix or something. It's essential, man. Hmm. Um, now, because right. the days of the, now, now, the world that we live in now, hand sanitizer. Yeah. Um. Any speed lights or you know strobes? You know, Godox, oh, definitely. Like- Definitely. Um, I have, uh, use my speed light, the V1, Godox V1. Okay. I love Godox. Uh, yeah. yeah. Godox V1. I got the uh, flash points. I got two 80, 200s. 
and the 600. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That 600 yeah. went down in price a little bit at first. That joint was like, well, almost eight, nine hundred dollars. Yeah, and that's when I bought it too. I'm looking at the price now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> But um, Godox is wonderful because it's like a all um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a system that can control so much. You know what I mean? Like you can have the 250, 600, like you can have speed lights and strobe connected to one trigger. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you can have mm-hmm. everything set to how you want it. Like you can have endless amount of lights on that joint for real. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I love it, man. It's like it's like a one-stop shop, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You control everything right there. I love it. I love it. And it's never... I've went through my uh, my history of flashes and strobes and, you know, and, like, newer is a decent... Yeah, yeah. They're decent, right? They're decent, yeah. but it's like they have their hardware issues. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I went through the young new old phase. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I mean, Godox is basically they're there. They're there. They're, 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 they're a beast. They're like they're 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 the fresh new technology. Like they're their new iPhone or something. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you don't want you don't, you don't want to spend that pro photo money. Yeah, hell no. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> That's like trying to buy a Leica or something. Like, what is going? Yeah, like, nah, man. <laughs> and they basically do the same thing as Godox. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like a, a, a cheap, friendly interface. You know what I mean? I love Godox. I will always ride for Godox. Definitely. Definitely. Um. So, what's the process like? Somebody calls you. She's, they say, "Uh, Shaka, I need a wedding. I got this amount of people." Um. What's your process like to um? I guess gauged what type of um, what type of pictures they want and how you go through the process to get that that image. Uh, I always I want to I always I always want to consult with the clients first. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of times people contact me via email or text or DM or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm like, um, I said I set up a meeting. Even a Zoom or whatever, and like I set up a meeting, and I, I try to feel them out, like you know what kind, what's their energy, mm. are they playful or you know, because from that that could tell me how the day is going to be, mm. how that wedding day is going to be, like how they're going to be, how the interaction throughout the day is going to be, how they're going to be, you know what I mean? Because a lot of people are, on their wedding day are they give you but one or two weddings, they could be really nonchalant and like. No well, man, you know, you've been together this long, it's just another day for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, or some people is gonna be like freaking out, like, you know, crying, upset the whole day. Like every small little detail could take them off. And that makes it hard for a photographer too, because of everything going wrong, you one thing you do, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though it's small by neat, it could be large, you know. Um so I set up a conversation so we can meet, talk, feel each other's energy. And um, I try to be upfront as possible. And I tell them like, hey, you know, what do you expect? Let me know what you expect. Um, because a lot of times, 
it's very rare that you're gonna shoot a photographer's wedding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of these people they don't know photography. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it takes to get certain shots. They will look at a magazine and they see uh, some dynamic photo, but they don't know that that's like a 15-hour wedding, and they allotted five hours just for por- just for portraits. Right, right. You, right. you know, they don't understand that that bride and groom got into a van with a team of photographers and went to this location. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't, a lot of these things. You know, they didn't see that. And they explain like, no, I want a shot like that. I'm like, uh, especially not at your wedding venue. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, we know there's a McDonald's right across the street. <laughs> <laughs> not at that church right down the street, bro. That ain't gonna happen. Nah, that's <laughs> not gonna happen. Yeah. So I try to be realistic as, as much as their clients, you know, and um. I have everything in black and white form, so they understand. We both understand each other, leading up to the day of. And I'm like, I'm like I said, I'm open, open book. So anytime they want to feel as though, hey, uh, they want to change this, they want to do that, just and that, blah, blah. I give them as honest as possible. Because mm-hmm. as as artists, you don't want to ever overpromise. Exactly. Yeah, you don't ever want to overpromise. I think it's it's. it's it's better to exceed the day of, mm. you know, exceed the day of and instead of saying, yes, I can do that. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because now the client expects it. And then when you don't provide it because of some, any, anything having logistical issues, they still want to look at you like, well, you said you just want to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's that's, that's mostly uh, it's communication, communication with the client leading up to okay. that's big, a big key for me. Um, and details, I need, I'm a very like, I need details, I need to know what we're going to be doing at seven between 7 30 and 7 41. Hmm. And if, if because seven because of that didn't happen, I would be worse with the plan B. Right. Right. So do you do you communicate um, with the bride and groom throughout the day, you know, just to make sure everything is going accordingly? Or do you or do sometimes do they give you like, um, I guess, just like a track list of this is going to happen at eight. This is going to happen at nine. So they I ask for I ask for a uh, a timeline. Mm. Definitely. Very important. I, I suggest everybody get a timeline. Um, get a timeline. And the day of, I think the last time I would talk to the bride is probably like bride and groom. It's probably a week before the wedding. Mm. Physically. Mm. And I'm like, I need, even if you don't have a planner, I need somebody. I need an auntie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need a maid of honor. I need somebody to talk to you that's not you. Because the day of, you don't want to hear hey, man, um, my second shooter didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Or, so, you know, it's, it's this thing that, it's things that they shouldn't know because it's, it's their day. You know, it's the, the most, you have to paint the most perfect day mm-hmm. for, for, for them. So I just, I, I'd rather contact or 
have those those talks with someone else. Yeah, yeah. You know I, re- I, mean? I respect uh, photographers like you, you know, especially during weddings. You know, uh, me as a photographer, I don't think I have the, um, I wouldn't say the patience. Um, I just my anxiety you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. as a photographer I'm used to as as a portrait photographer I'm used to controlling everything you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so when you're in weddings you relinquish that control to a certain extent you know and you have to follow a certain rubric to what your client wants you know what I mean and just me personally I'm afraid of like giving that control up (laughs) (laughs) But um, a lot of times, a lot of times, it's uh, it's based on time. Mm. It's the the time, the time crunch. Because nine times out of ten, weddings run late. Yeah, because of whatever reason. And it's like once the ceremony's over, that that hour that you think you had, you think you had mm-hmm. for portraits, they're like. Okay, well, because we're running late, you got 15 minutes. I'm like, it's a 20 person bridal party. Like, what do you, you know? Right. Like, wow. So you got sometimes like, like, hey, can we get like 30? I mean, there's so many different tactics, man. Like, hey, can we get like 30? Oh, the bride said her her feet hurt. She's gonna sit down for a while. Mm. You gotta make stuff up, man, because they they be on your they be on your heels, like, no, come on, we gotta go, we gotta go. You gotta. I don't know. It, 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 I understand that though. That 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 giving up that the time and that freedom to actually create because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know unless you're like an experienced photographer, you have to like because you're putting situations you have to think on the fly, right? Right. You know, or just shoot in situations like okay, hopefully this turned out. When you get back home, it's like uh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it eats away at you a little, a little bit. You know what I mean? When I was it a does. school, when I was a school photographer, everything had to be uniform and done a certain way every time. I'm like, I'm in Baltimore, one of these Baltimore schools with a bunch of kids that's under like the age of twelve, and I gotta get mm-hmm. four to five hundred photos in, perfect every day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So mm-hmm. it kind of eats away at your, your, your that artistic person inside of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I couldn't do though. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that, man. Cause I know like, you know, as a photographer, you know, you, you want to create and you want to use different tactics with your camera to, to, to do different things. Mm. But it's like, you know, in that situation, you already, you already know the settings is going to be. The same settings every day. It, <laughs> it's gonna be every day. <laughs> right. every day, right? So, so, am I really? You know, I'm just, I'm just pressing the button at this point, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I get it, man. I get it. Have you ever had to um, deal with any like bridezillas? Like, what is like one situation that has you like, yo, I don't know what the hell I'm doing right now? Wow. Uh... Huh. I have. I have. I once had a situation where um, I had a situation where a bride tried to 
<laughs> this is funny, man. She tried to. She she tried to ask. She well she she allowed. What happened was I was in the the the, the hotel room, mm. and we were doing uh, the the, the pre photos, the prep photos. And um, I stepped out of the room to use the restroom in the hallway. And um, she, uh, she, I mean, I should have took my camera with me. Mm. This is another thing I learned. I was like, I should have just took the camera with me. I was like, nah, I can sit on the bag. It's in the corner. Nobody's not going to. So I, op- I came back and knocked on the door. And I opened the door and I had to see like a flash. Like this oh. flash is going. I was like. Like, what y'all got? What does this flash come from? And she was like, well, my dad's here. He's going to take some photos while he went to the bathroom. Using your camera? My, bruh. Come on, dog. <laughs> <laughs> what? Bruh. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that situation got really ugly, Oh man! Yeah, it got it got really ugly, and she tried to like justify the situation. Well, my dad, he did this in college, so I wouldn't have had nobody this and that. And plus, he stepped out the room. I didn't pay, you know, to leave out the room, and just, I'm like, what happened? Just went to the restroom. I don't think I was gone for no longer, like two minutes. Right. Oh it my was, god! Yeah. Right. I'm like, I was just trying to explain to like, okay, what if something happened and. He dropped the camera and then like, how are you gonna be? You know what I mean? Like it was it was an ugly situation. It wasn't a, and she was upset the whole entire night. Mm. The entire night. See, that's one re- that's another reason why I couldn't be a <laughs> photographer. Not. Like I y'all have my love and my admiration, but that is too stressful. Grabbing a, a, a man's camera is like picking up his child. Like, no, what do you know? Yeah, that's why I couldn't do. Um, I did it. I did club photography, like I think like two or three times. Yeah, yeah. 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 Girls is drunk and they're like, "Let me see the picture," and grab the camera. Like, oh, yeah, I don't do. That. And they grab by the flash too. It's like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. I tried club photography once, bad, but. I don't know. It's I don't know. When you think of when I first started photography, when somebody said I'm a photographer, I automatically you thought of it like a club photographer. And I didn't want to have that that blemish, that that reputation per se. You know what I mean? But um I'm glad that I've done my research, I've done my 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 studying and and I can appreciate a Gordon Parks, you know what I mean? I could appreciate a a Khalid Muhammad, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, I think a lot of, um, a lot of photographers. One of my main goals as a photographer is to do- document what's going on today, so the future, and be like, wow. You know what I mean? Like whenever right. I look at like a Gordon Parks book, and I see all the black, beautiful black people in the, in the, in the book. I try to like envision, or it takes me back to that time where he was taking mm-hmm. that picture. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the power of photos too, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't understand that. You know, it's even though it's it's relatable to 
relatively the same word, mm. but pictures, there's pictures and then there's photos. Right. I think only photographers understands the right, right. Yeah, a picture is this, and this is it's perception too. So pictures is just you know, I think it's something without a story. It's just, mm. it's just the scene and that which you physically see. Mm-hmm. A photo, a photo tells the you know you can feel like you can literally just look at the photo and like. Oh, that's about to happen, or yeah, just get lost in know. it. Yeah, you get lost in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a difference. There's a difference. So, who are who is like your top photographer that that anytime you look at that photo or hit that photographer, is it like a specific image that you see? Like, who is your top photographer that 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 you aspire to? Um, I don't want to say be like, but inspired to like. Um, I don't know. Just who? Who was your top photographer? Uh, there's a bunch of them. Um, there's uh, Zamani Feelings in Philly. Mm. He's a wedding photographer, but his style is real. This is earthy, like canvas. Like he's he 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 actually like perfects shooting black skin mm. yeah and it's weird with him too man i gotta figure him out man because he shoots the same settings all the time mm. and he's like he nails it though like i mean shooting wide open apertures like one four i'm like he, man, how like he gotta be using a tripod though right man i don't know yeah. <laughs> It's his, you know, it's his, it's his secret though. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, I, yeah. You know, you see his work, man. It's like, what? He shoots like wide open averages all the time. Like, we talking about big groups, like ten person bridal parties. I'm like, and they're trying to be like tax sharp. Mm. Mm. This hey, he has it. You know, but it's clean, man. I just I love his work. Um, Daryl Todd. He's he's a. Uh, uh, he got to be in his late forties, I want to say. But he's been around. He's been around for. He's done. He's man. He's done work. Bad boy. He has photos of Prince and Michael. And mm. He's around now. You know, he's always still shooting, man. He's. I, I met him. I met him once at a wedding. Mm. I met him once at a wedding, man. And he said, um, and I asked him. I said, I remember asking him for advice. I was like, you know. What do you what do you do different? Like what do have you ever felt like you've been in a space where you know you wanted to excel yourself or do something? He said, just keep shooting. Mm. Just keep shooting. And eventually, like you wanna find you wanna find a niche, you wanna find a you wanna find something that, you know, that changes you. Yeah. You wanna fall in love with that, and then you're gonna you know, it's going to keep happening. Hmm. Um, let me see, Daryl Todd's my feelings. Uh, Devin Allen. Okay. Okay. Devin, Devin Allen. Um, Kirby. I don't know if you know Kirby. Kirby, man. He, uh, New York photographer? Nah, he's here. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Kirby Griffin. He um the crazy thing is he doesn't even consider himself a photographer. He does video, he does a lot of video work. Hmm. But his photography, man, is like yeah. crazy. Crazy. Hmm. I mean, I'm a but I'm a I'm a fan first though. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the art first, man. So it's a lot of man, it's a lot of photography in my life. Love, man. Uh, Elizabeth, she's in Atlanta. She's a great weather photographer. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, one of my uh, favorite locals is uh, Yogi. Uh, what's his like? Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah, I'm talking uh, about, right? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but um, you got to check this uh guy out named Khalik Muhammad. He um, mm. he did a documentary a couple years ago on Wu Tang. And um, mm. from New York, but he mainly goes out in the street and takes pictures of like homeless people at two or three o'clock in the morning. You know, mm. wide open aperture, everything looks dream, dreamy and glossy. You know what I mean? Under mm. like street mm. lights and and neon lights and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but I think as a photographer, we are like some of the m- most important documentary people ever. You know what I mean? Especially in the black and brown communities where somebody in West Bubblefuck, Ohio, or, you know, mm-hmm. or Kansas or mm-hmm. Connecticut, um, it just brings them closer to understanding who we are. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's not one architect, architect type of, of person, black person, brown person, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. not a monolith, mm-hmm. like we come in many different shades and flavors. Definitely, definitely, and I, somebody got to tell the story. Yeah, and you know, we already seen what happens when they people outside of our race, should I say, mm. you know, uh, document our narrative or controls our narrative. You know, see what happens. So you know, like I said, whether what some kind of art, some kind of way, we have to grab hold of it and, you know, document it ourselves. Perfect. Um, so we're kind of at the end of the podcast, but at the end of every podcast, I like to play a little game uh, with my guests, if that's all right, called This or That. Cool. cool. Yeah. All right. So I'll ask you a question. Um, two answers, but you can only choose one, and the whole world depends on your answer. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, cool, cool, cool. First question. Da, 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 da. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Mm. Not the ego kind, right? Like the fluffy joints? No, no, the fluffy <laughs> joints. Yeah. <laughs> Want some real fat shit though, because like the the little squares they hold up, they hold the syrup in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love them the same reason, the same reason. Yeah, you know, like the little pockets. The yeah. yeah, man. <laughs> um, I think I already know what you're going to say. Nikon or Canon? Canon. Mm. Canon. Yeah, I, I, I tried. I, I've tried Nikon, but the only reason why I, 
I feel as though with Nikon, you have to do a lot of, you have to do more steps to do one thing. Right, right. Yeah. And it was just more, you know, simpler. Mm. Um. Uh, what's another one? Puppies or kittens? Yeah. I'm not really a big cat fan. Uh, they, mm. They're cool. They're cool. Yeah. Cats just walk around the crib like they own the joint. That's, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's it, man. They're just there. Like, they're, they're like that, that kid in your basement. Mm. And you just keep giving like military pamphlets to like they won't go nowhere and shit. Like, like <laughs> you know, at least dogs do stuff, man. You know what I mean? They can mm. they go bark at the neighbor or something, the house burning down or something. You know what I mean? They, yeah, they bring stuff, bring your paper. <laughs> yeah, like you know. <laughs> um weddings or portraits. Might be a surprising to a lot of people, but portraits. Mm, I feel it. Portraits, yeah, portraits. Even though I love doing weddings, I love shooting weddings and capturing the memories and all that other stuff. But portraits, for you, for for that exact reason, I have time to create. I have time to connect with the client more so, actually create a feeling, an energy. Mm, mm. I love that. Well, that's the end of the game. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, speak with me and, you know, let me pick your brain about your craft on the podcast. Um, how can people reach out to you in case they wanted, like, portrait wedding, you know, or just some shots done? Oh, um, first of all, thank you for having me, man. Of course. But, uh, they could definitely reach out to me uh, via website. I'm on all the social media platforms. It's at Blind Vision. Uh, Blind Vision with a three. Yeah. L-I-N-D-V-I-S-I-O-N. Um, blindvision.com. Um, blindvisionphotography.com. Um, blindvisionphotography at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I'm on all platforms at Blind Vision. Sweet, man. Hopefully, um, when everything calms down with uh, COVID and all that, we can link up and just get, like, you know, some concept conceptual portraits yeah. and you know just link up and and and, and get definitely. some shots in definitely man um i'm actually putting together a, a meeting shoot yeah. nice 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 yeah nice. perfect perfect um well brother i really appreciate you again and um i'll just hit you up in a little bit man all right well, peace black velvet is proud to sponsor creative habits podcast Black Velvet is a Black-owned family business providing skincare products. Handmade, intentional, and designed to nurture the skin and body. Lather in luxury with our signature Black Velvet Shea Butter. Our base is raw shea infused with essential oils and vitamins to revive and enhance your natural skin's glow. We offer unisex options and a grooming kit to ensure quick and essential groom for daily application for any occasion or season. Try our Beard Gang Kit collection, perfect for a man on the go with notes of barbershop orange and essential oils to protect and nurture your beard growth. Visit us on Etsy at Shop Black Velvet or follow us on Instagram by Black Velvet.